0: You're listening to The recovered Podcast. I'm your host, licensed therapist, Amanda E. White. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. I'm really excited because I have my friend and fellow therapist, Natalie Siegel of Need to Talk here. How are you today, Natalie?
1: I'm hanging in there. I'm tired, but I'm, I'm hanging in there. Yeah. It's, it's Monday. You know, let's do this thing.
0: How are you? Yeah, I'm good. I'm really excited to talk to you because one of my favorite parts of this podcast is just that I get to talk to like my internet friends in real life. So we are here today to talk about the intersection of motherhood and Diet culture and like pregnancy and all of that, but if people don't know you, can you just give a little bit of background about your work?
1: Sure, I'm a therapist in private practice in Denver, Colorado. I generally work with millennial women, although I'm kind of all over the place. You know, I have clients from from of all ages, but I would say generally millennial women who uh, are struggling with. Being a, being a person in, uh, you know, this day and age and all that that entails and, you know, depression, anxiety, eating disorders, family dynamics, really complicated family dynamics. Um, that's kind of my specialty and where I fall. I and mean, of course, you know, I'm, an, I'm a new mom. So I feel like I have this other, you know, niche that has opened up for me of things <laughs> that I understand, and I'm thinking back to like old clients, like, oh my gosh, I didn't even like understand, you know, personally, and not to say that you mm-hmm. have to, of course, understand everything your clients go through, but there's like this window that has now been opened for me, and I just see the world so differently. So I'm kind of in this place. I'm still on maternity leave, um, and I'm going to come back, you know, pretty part time when I do come back in a couple months here, but just you know, I'm, I'm in it right now as a new mom and I'm feeling all of these intersections that you and I are talking about. And I'm just, I'm really passionate about these topics and I'm really excited to talk to you about how they intersect and, you know, what I've noticed since becoming a new mom.
0: Yes. Oh my gosh. I feel that so much too with just, you don't need to have gone through it, but you can just speak about it and understand it on just such a different level. And so I different. feel bad sometimes, even just like with my friends, thinking back to, Really, how much I didn't get it before with when I I had friends who had kids. Just I felt the same way. Yeah, you just don't get it until you've done it. Unfortunately, (laughs) no.
1: And it's like you have this idea. I think, like you know, academically or logically, of like what you what you think it's going to be. Like, oh, you know, you're gonna it's going to be you know really hard to sleep, or it's going to be you know it's 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 the hardest job you'll ever do. And I think I understood that, but not until you're in it are you like, oh. Like the other day, I think you posted a story about how you were like so overstimulated, baby was crying. Yeah. Like so many things were going on. And like I feel that on a visceral level, like when my dog is barking at the same time that my baby is crying, I like physically like can't handle that. And there's just like these things that like I just never could have anticipated have come up for me. And uh that I resonate with what you said too. I'd like apologize to friends being like, I'm so sorry that I wasn't actually really there. I was like asking about the baby, but I didn't really ask about like how you were. Yeah. So I, I feel that so much. It's just so, it's very different to be in it.
0: Yes. We talked a lot before we came on this podcast about how we wanted to talk about these intersections like we were talking about. And one thing that was shocking to me, I mean, it's gross how the algorithm knows us so well, Mm -hmm. but right. Like when I was going through pregnancy, I was very fortunate that I got pregnant quickly. So Mm -hmm. I didn't, I missed, I think the, the Instagram social media window of people telling people that if you, you know, hop on one foot and drink this juice (laughs) and spin around backwards, that will be how you get pregnant. But right. Like then you get into when, when you are pregnant, how Mm -hmm. there is this really insane pressure, I think, on women to, you know, do the right thing, eat the right way, exercise the perfect Mm -hmm. amount, do all of these things. So then you can kind of like guarantee this perfect outcome for your child, Mm -hmm. perfect pregnancy. I mean, I was so, I put so much pressure on myself because, right, then people say studies about, right, your stress Mm. impacts the baby in the womb. And then you're like, right, stressed about the stress (laughs) that you have. And and it's it is like diet culture, totally. like like you were kind of saying. Tell me about when you started to notice it. Well, just t- t- you you're dead on because it starts pre
1: conception, right? It's like <laughs> it's like, and I feel fortunate too that I I didn't necessarily get get caught in that in that window because I also you know had a, had an easier time getting pregnant. But there's like this it starts at conception. It's like, if you just do these things, you will conceive. And then Mm -hmm. if you just do these things, you will have a a really healthy, easy pregnancy. And then if you just do these things, your birth is going to be perfect. Right. And there's so much rhetoric around all these things that you could be doing or should be doing um, in order Mm -hmm. to uh, have the easiest experience or the best experience or the healthiest experience, which is such, which is so emblematic of diet culture in itself, yes. right. <laughs> of, of this, like, you need to trust these random people that you're seeing on the internet, tell you how to mm-hmm. be. And then mm-hmm. let's, let's state the obvious here. Then that moves into postpartum of like, okay, six yeah. weeks, you're cleared to go. You should be exercising again. You should be losing the baby yeah. weight. You should be bouncing back. It's like, it starts, it starts at, it you know conception for women. And then it goes all the way to postpartum. And at every stage, there's someone telling you how you should be doing it. Mm. And that to yeah. me felt so, I started to notice it very early on, right? Mm-hmm. Like what should I be eating or don't eat this or don't eat this? And then the shame around, you know, not eating enough vegetables early in your pregnancy. I right. I don't know about you, but I had like, I had one appointment with a different OB. I ended up switching because this was, Mm -hmm. this experience was so hard. I literally was so nauseous the first couple of weeks. And at my first appointment, the OB was like, you really, you really got to be careful with the bagels. You really got to be careful with the, with the, you know, complex carbs. Like you should be opting for whole wheat if you're going to, Eat the the bagel, like you know, you should go for
0: a whole How did they know about bagels? Did they just assume that? I I said I haven't been able to keep
1: anything down except for bagel because you know, I mean, you know better than anyone. Like nothing you can't nothing tastes good, nothing sounds good. Every I mean I was like had so many aversions early on. And so it just like I was like I literally I think I froze and I walked out of there with my husband and he was like, We can't go back there. Like mm. she was so much shame already. I was I was going to this appointment, eight weeks pregnant, so excited. She was like, "Yeah, you know, and you know your your numbers are are a little questionable." It was like my. BMI and all these things that I don't subscribe to and thankfully I've done the work to be able to separate myself from that but you know it's like takes this really exciting thing and says like uh, actually yeah. you're doing it wrong and you need to be doing it better already rather than like celebrating the fact that like at least I was eating something while I oh was so God. nauseous so I noticed it so early and the truth is I like I'm still noticing it right because now mm-hmm. I'm in a different phase of my life with it and um, a different yeah. phase of this of this time and postpartum and there continues to be a narrative that I could be doing something more that would make my baby happier, that would make mm-hmm. me happier. And there's a lot of fear mongering around yeah. that too. Right. Of like, Absolutely. if you don't do this thing, there's going to be a bad outcome. So did mm-hmm. that, was that like how it was for you when you noticed it? Like you didn't do something.
0: Yes. Yes. And I was in a similar boat. We had, we chatted before, but yeah, I had HG. So I was just like extremely, I, yeah, I had to be on like pretty intense medication to be able to eat anything throughout pregnancy and stuff like that. And thankfully I had a great doctor. I didn't have a good one to start with. And I was very afraid to take more severe medication because of all of the fear mongering. And I also had pretty intense suicidal thoughts when I got pregnant, which was just very confusing to me. Like I'd struggled with suicidal thoughts, during my addiction and in like low points but this was such a strange disconnect of it was so clear that it was chemical to me yeah. because like I was glad to be pregnant but I want I was like having very intense thoughts that mm-hmm. I should kill myself so it was so disorienting with that so I already was on like You know, I was on mental health meds and stuff. And then I had to take uh, this other medication for nausea and stuff like that. It was only until my doctor was like, you are doing more harm to your baby by not being able to get the proper nutrition. Mm, Totally. Then this potential side effect of this medication that I was like, okay, fine, yeah, I will take it because it's just – it's terrifying. And I remember being like, how will I live with myself if I know that I caused this baby to be messed up? And that's, I think, the terrifying thing too.
1: Meanwhile, you're going through all this difficulty. You uh, can't eat. You're so uncomfortable and you're having suicidal thoughts. Like It's like you're juggling what's best for your baby versus what's best for you. And the internet and other people are saying one thing and other people are saying another. I'm glad that your OB was encouraging uh, that. I had the same experience when I switched. Um, My OB was like, thank you for staying on your mental health meds she was mm-hmm. like thank you for staying on them yeah. uh, i actually even increased my meds while i was on i did yeah. too yeah. yeah and and that's also something that people talk about like oh like that's you know it's it's not necessarily safe but then i was like well is it safe if i'm not doing well mentally for this baby to mm-hmm. to be inhabiting me when i'm not doing well and i give so much of so much credit to these meds for allowing me to be a safe place for my baby to grow yeah. and so i'm glad i listened to my intuition with that and i think that i think that there's so much noise, Amanda, when it comes mm-hmm. to to diet culture and to motherhood and pregnancy postpartum. And something that I have come to, especially in the postpartum phase, is coming back to my intuition mm-hmm. and remembering that how I feel can be trusted. Mm. How I feel and what I what I know. And you and it's so funny, you literally just posted something about this too of like maybe we should stop <laughs> going outward right? And buying Mm -hmm. all these courses and doing all these things. And that's exactly how I felt about motherhood is there's so much noise. There's these guides you can buy, these sleep training guides, these nutrition guides, all these things you can do. And it's like, well, what about what I know to be true? What about Mm -hmm. what I feel inherently sure of with my child? And that gut feeling that I can trust. And Mm -hmm. the same thing is true about diet culture is there's this idea that your body doesn't know what it's doing and you don't know what Mm -hmm. you're doing. So you need to listen to these external systems at play because you can't be trusted. And that's the biggest parallel that I've found is there's somebody else telling you that they know better than you. And then that yeah. creates this self-doubt of like, oh my God, I don't, I, I'm not doing it right. I could be doing it better. Yeah. I'm, I'm in the fear mongering. I'm causing harm. I'm doing something. The truth is, is you're not doing anything wrong. You're listening to your body, whether it be food wise or rest wise from exercise. Mm. And then you're listening to yourself when you're like, I actually think that I, I think I know what's best for my baby. Like I actually think I inherently know. And I innately mm-hmm. know. And, and it just removes us from our instinct, both with the, the motherhood stuff and with the diet culture stuff. And as somebody who is so affected by diet culture, as most of us are, but I was in a eating disorder, disorder eating spiral for so long, it felt so similar to me. That I was like, the second that I was like, there's something that's asking me to ignore my intuition. That's Mm -hmm. when I knew something was wrong. It's saying your intuition was wrong. And I was like, that feels familiar. And it was the diet culture stuff I came up. And I was like, oh, well, then I need to start listening to what feels right for me. Like, don't feed to sleep. You're creating bad habits, right? Like, that felt a lot like, Mm -hmm. don't snack. You're creating a bad habit. And I just remember being like, but what if I'm hungry? What if I want to yeah. snack? And what if my baby sleeps like falls asleep nicely and that's just feels natural to me? Is that wrong? Yeah.
0: Right, right. So that has been like so parallel to me at timeline. That's such a good point. That's such a good point too. I think where we're most affected is probably where we're the most sensitive. And I'm like very sensitive to cause I had such a bad birth mm. that like I could have predicted or I could have fixed it or changed mm. it, right? And I ruminate on it and things like that. And I just remember being fed so much content, which like I got a doula, you know, and doulas are great. I'm not against doulas at all, but right. Like if you get a doula, if you do this, if you do that, if you do all of these things, it was just so clear to me of like, this is all just preying Mm -hmm. on our like fear of birth that, right. Or our fear of any, right. Our fear of our child, not sleeping Mm -hmm. or any of those things. It's just preying on that. If you do these things, then this won't happen to you and you can control this or that thing. And I just remember getting fed so much content at the end of my pregnancy about, you know, get a doula and make sure that you do this and make sure that you do that. And even, I mean, I remember being (laughs) inundated so dumb, but like with all the like what to pack for, right? Like pack with me for the hospital. (laughs) TikToks. God. And I watched all of I, them. Me too. Me too. And like it was so – like it's just so silly be, because it's like we – I think everyone knows like what you pack for the hospital isn't going to probably have an impact But – it's like that stuff of it's just so yeah it's just I think it's it's so crazy because pregnancy and then child like ha- postpartum and having a baby is so uncontrollable in so many ways that it's so scary so then we're just super vulnerable to buy into anyone selling expertise or sureness of something that's exactly
1: what I feel is that there is this preying on a vulnerable population, someone who's never given birth before, Mm -hmm. someone who uh, has never had a child, who doesn't know what's right, who just doesn't have experience. And that's another similarity in diet cultures is preying on people who have insecurities, who would like a different body shape, who have been bullied, who have not had good experiences in their bodies or who have had negative experiences, that there's such a preying on this population that people buy into that as you said and what I realize is like these promises of like if you get a doula if you do this if you eat like this if you you know buy this sleep course if you buy this whatever mm-hmm. that that sells you know that type of marketing sells like your life will be better if if x if you do xyz versus acceptance doesn't sell Acceptance mm. that like you might ha- not have a great birth and like, that's right. okay. Let's talk about that. Like, birth might not be what you expected. And like, let's sit in that discomfort. And, you know, maybe mm. your baby's not going to sleep. And that's really, really hard because the first year is really, really hard for a lot of people. And babies don't sleep great. Instead, yeah. though, there's this great promise of things and that sells just like the promise of thinness sells, right? Mm. Of, like, if you lose weight or, you know, you'll be happy. If your right. baby sleeps through the night, everybody's going to be well rested and everyone's mental health is going to be so much better. Right. right, but yeah. they don't talk about the steps of getting there and what could potentially mm-hmm. be traumatizing or disordered to get there. Yeah. So it's just instead of normalizing experiences, mm-hmm. like your baby isn't sleeping because that's biologically normal, or your right. birth is is difficult because childbirth is difficult right. <laughs> <laughs> and so is pregnancy yeah. instead of say in normalizing those experiences mm-hmm. we say if you just did this thing you would have a better experience which then leads to that shame spiral of i could have controlled that mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. well even too because then it's like wellness culture also oh. collides with all of this too of the pregnancy is natural and birth is natural and no one should have to give birth in a hospital oh, because sure. it's natural sure sure Like all of these things are, right, even the content that I'm sure you've seen too when you're pregnant, right, of, you know, women don't need to take time off or they don't need to do this, right? Because, again, pregnancy is the most natural thing and then I end up getting, you know, like – you can go go down, like, ballerina farm rabbit holes oh, and all that
1: no. <laughs> <laughs> stuff. She's in a pageant already. Like, okay, she is. Sure.
0: She is. And and that, I think, is so damaging, too, of just, again, you feel like you're doing something wrong. You feel like you could have done something to prevent it. And it's just, like, yes, like, people have been giving birth since sure. the beginning of time. but birth is also extremely dangerous and people died giving birth since the beginning of time. They sure did. They sure did. So that's my other problem with these types of one-dimensional
1: ways of thinking or doing is that it makes it out to be that every birth would be the same if you just did X, Y, Z. Just like every body would be the same if everybody ate and exercised the same way. Or every baby would be the same. It's like this universal method that just doesn't work for everyone or every baby. And it discounts genetics. It discounts access uh culture i mean all these things like just like there's such a parallel here right it's like it's somebody else saying if you just do it this one way you will have this experience and that's just not true we know that that's not true because we all have different bodies we all have different backgrounds we all have different babies and i think that's something this like universal method that's being sold mm. and marketed to us is is lying yeah. about what it can promise and then that leads again to the shame and it's just it's so frustrating And it makes you feel shitty. It makes you feel like you're not a good mom or you could have done something to be a better mom or you should have eaten more nutritiously Mm. during your pregnancy or beforehand or like all these things. And meanwhile, like, you have a happy, healthy baby who's just different than other babies? Like,
0: Yeah. Well, I was thinking about that too with just, it is accepted in the medical community, right? If you look at birth chart and birth weight and things like that, in terms of, right, like they don't, they say that any baby is a healthy baby pretty much. I think there's like minimums with, growth and mm-hmm, things like mm-hmm. that. But in general, they don't say that babies are overweight until mm-hmm. they're like two years old or sure. something like that. And I think it's so interesting that we can accept that babies grow at different rates and babies come in different body sizes and types, but we don't accept that about people. Like after two years old, no, we all need to be within the same range. It's it's wild to me. It is. It's wild. And then you'll hear people comment about babies being like, that baby yeah. is
1: is overweight or that baby is yeah. too small or that baby right it's like it, it even though people are more accepting of the different sizes like you still hear commentary like that or i'll click a picture of like a really cute ba- chubby baby mm-hmm. and somebody's like wow that baby is being you know is being overfed or something it's like there's mm-hmm. just everywhere you look there's fear-mongering the internet mm-hmm. is a mm-hmm. wonderful place like for example <laughs> you know connecting with you and having this yeah. wonderful community that is so You know, rich and beautiful and meaningful. And then you have this other side of the internet where you're like, everything you scroll by is like a different message. And that's so confusing. And it's just leads to so much self doubt. And that's what I've noticed so much Mm -hmm. with myself, you know. And and I kind of had to just like turn off the noise, just like I did years ago with unfollowing accounts and you know, that diet, you know, diet culture promoting accounts, I just started unfollowing people and started following people that really resonated with just my philosophy about being a mother and the messiness of it and the like, the imperfection and the very much non universal way of being a mom. And that has resonated so much more with me but it's just, it's hard to escape that noise. It's very loud.
0: Yeah. Well, even with like what you were saying, reminded me of just like being pregnant and stuff like that. I don't know how you felt, but it made me so clear of just, there is just such a, switch that flips when you become pregnant where everyone thinks that they have come like they can comment on you and they can touch you and they can do all these strange things and i was like fortunate in that i think i was like pretty boundaryed and i also just hid my pregnancy like very aggressively and and i was able to but one thing that really surprised me was I just really – because I think also of the wellness that was sold to me, like, I really expected that I would, like, love being pregnant or feel confident or feel, like, good about my body or I would just, like, enter this other dimension where I, like, didn't have insecurities anymore. <laughs> I felt exactly the same, just pregnant. Uh-huh. And I mean, I'm sure other people have different experiences. I know they do. It was just such a strange moment where I I really saw where my expectations were so – unrealistic once totally. i became pregnant
1: well when you're being fed this narrative that this should be the most beautiful time of your life and you know this is such a you know amazing thing your body is doing this amazing thing and, and it is it's not to discount what it's doing and we're very grateful and and lucky that that we became pregnant and it's okay that you kind of just felt like crap Like, and maybe you didn't, maybe you didn't really, it didn't really, you didn't go into this other dimension. And I certainly, I didn't, I didn't feel that like, you know, blissful, like, I don't know whatever that is. Right. Like, (laughs) I I don't even know what it is, but it's like this idea that, you know, something changes for you. And like, to be honest, by third trimester, I was like, oh my God, like I feel terrible. You know, I'm ready for this, this part to be over. It's that you should feel this way mm. kind of thing that you also were just talking about, which is like during times of your life that are actually like very, very hard, that the expectation that you should feel a certain way that makes you feel like you're doing something wrong because you don't feel that way. It's the same thing. Or like early motherhood, like, shouldn't you be on cloud nine because mm. you have this beautiful baby that just came home? Okay, but you're bleeding and you are exhausted and you are trying to breastfeed and you are taking care of a newborn. And like, maybe it's just not beautiful. And like, that's okay. And maybe parts of it are, but it's that same idea that you should feel a certain way if Mm -hmm. X, Y, and Z are at play.
0: Yeah. I think that's such a good point too. In postpartum of, I also had this expectation that I would just immediately be super, super bonded and immediately know what I was doing. And again, I just felt like, I am just myself, but I, like, have this baby that I need to take care of and yeah. I need to figure it out. And I feel like it's only been in the past couple months and my baby's now, like, 10 months old that right. I've started to, like, actually feel like I am a parent. Because for a while you – I don't know. The, the best way I could explain it is it was kind of like when I got married and I, like, mm-hmm. when I would introduce people to my husband or say I was married, it felt, like, fake. Like, <laughs> totally. it. You think that you're, I don't know, I had this expectation that my brain would just like change and I would like immediately be like, I am a mother. Yeah, and I, right. it, it has taken me a while to grown into it.
1: But I so resonate with that too. I'm really just starting to feel like I'm integrating a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's another thing is like these integration of selves of like mm. being a mother, being a therapist, being a working person, like my partnership, like the time for friends, like I'm having like, it's kind of like a, that's a tough thing too, of like this balancing act of of all these identities um, that I'm still figuring out very much right now, candidly.
0: Yeah. I love that word integration. I think that's such a good point that that's what needs to happen. Yeah. Until all of these selves can come together, you just kind of feel disconnected.
1: Yeah. And I feel like it's a process and I don't know when that changes. And like, I don't know that it's ever going to look the same as it was obviously pre baby. Mm-hmm. There's just a lot of growth that's happening and it's happened so quickly and you're kind of just trying to figure out how your old parts of yourself fit into your new identity and how do you integrate all of those and I think that that's where I've just tried to give myself grace of like I'm still figuring it out and I might be figuring it mm-hmm. out for a while. And that is very much aligned with how I see all of these components of motherhood, pregnancy, postpartum and how the diet culture intersects is I'm just in, I'm in a lot of acceptance right now an acceptance of what I can't control. And it doesn't mean it's not hard. It's really, really hard. And I'm no longer looking like down the rabbit hole of social media or Reddit or these things for answers to questions that can't be answered because Mm. these are not, they don't know my baby and they don't know me. So it's like, it's like, instead of looking outward, trying to tune inward, like validating myself in the difficulty of what I'm going through Um, And accepting that this is a really hard time rather than continuously seeking answers or courses or experts or other people who aren't experts on me, my body, or my baby, right? I'm the expert. My baby is the expert. And like, just trying to keep it a little bit quieter on the inside versus all these voices that are so loud on the outside.
0: Yeah. How was postpartum for you with seeing all that noise on the internet and stuff like that? It was rough.
1: It was yeah. really, really rough. And I really, because, you know, when you don't know what to do and you're a new parent, you just go to Google. We go to social media. What do we do, right? Like, I don't know what
0: people did before. <laughs> Talk to people, probably. Right. I asked my mom <laughs> and she was like, oh, I'm so glad I didn't have that.
1: Because she was like, we just listened to ourselves. And I was like, oh, yeah. She's like, we just listened to what we felt like was right. And it's like, that's the thing. is we ignore our instincts because we have, which is wonderful. We have social media at our Mm. fingertips or I'm sorry, like internet, just generally at our fingertips and information, but it was really loud for me. And I was so vulnerable. I was so, so Mm -hmm. vulnerable. And that was why I was so like, I think at 3am I bought some course literally, you know, to help my baby sleep or whatever it was. And I just remember, you know, maybe, I don't know. Week 12 or 14, 14, I think, I was like, oh my gosh, something has to change. I need to get help. I need something to change. I need, you know, to implement a schedule. I was like, really, like, searching for control. And my husband and I kept talking about it, talking about it all weekend. And we literally just landed back to like, maybe we just need to listen to our baby. Maybe we just need to listen to what he's telling us. And like, right now is hard. And the internet is only making us feel worse mm-hmm. about what we're doing. And it's not feeling good. It's not feeling aligned what it's telling us to do. And so, you know, that was when I was like, okay, I'm going to drown that noise out. But it really took, I would say like 14 or 15 weeks of continuously Mm -hmm. every single night when baby had a false start, I was like Googling how to prevent false starts, wake windows and this (laughs) and that and all these things and overtired and undertired, all these Mm. things. And I just was, I was obsessively Googling and I was like, this is not, serving me so to answer your question it was really really hard and I wish someone took my phone away because it was so much googling and so there were some times where I was like validated like okay that's normal But then there were other times where I was like oh your baby should be sleeping better by now and I'm like oh yeah right or breastfeeding should be easier by now oh Mm. Right. Like there was a lot of, Mm -hmm. a lot of that, that didn't feel good. So once I started tuning out that noise and stopped obsessively Googling, I think everything got a lot better because I just met my baby where he was rather than, you know, relied on the internet to tell me what to do.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's, I remember being like, I'm going to take maternity leave and I'm not going to be on social media. And I was like on social media during that period (laughs) more than ever because your baby isn't sleeping and Uh you're just like holding the baby. So you're just like on social yeah. Right. or at least I was oh, yeah. so much so because much. you're awake at all hours and need to be quiet but be entertained. Uh, oh my <laughs> so god, you're just scrolling. So much internet, so
1: much internet. It's it was just I shouldn't say it was. It is a wild time. I still feel like I am not fully out of the fog yet, and I think a lot of that does depend just depend on on sleep. And you know, we're still still struggling over here but instead of instead of looking outward for solutions which is so to me similar to die culture of like looking outward for somebody mm-hmm. to help you get the body that you want or that mm. there's a thin person living inside of you you just have to find mm. that person just like there's a really good sleeper inside your baby yes. and you just have to let them cry it out like no like I was just like that feels so icky to me and yeah. and instead like I'm just like this is just where we're at and this is a hard thing mm-hmm. and acceptance is really, really hard. But yeah. it's to me it feels what much more right and much more aligned with who I am and what feels good than looking outside of myself for answers to questions that people can't possibly know the answer to because they don't know me or mm-hmm. my baby. So it's just, it's a lot of, a lot of acceptance and social media doesn't push acceptance and mark, and like companies don't push acceptance because like I said, it yeah. doesn't sell, right? Yeah. Solutions
0: sell. Yeah, absolutely. And it just feels like there isn't, I mean, obviously we know this, there isn't a right way to do it, but I just, it's so hard because it is just like, feels like with motherhood, especially No matter what you do, it's not right. It's not good enough. And there is shame on every corner, right? Like there's shame – if you like, you know, if breastfeeding isn't easier for you and it doesn't come naturally, I didn't breastfeed because, of, like, I really thank my doctor who I had an amazing psychiatrist. And she was like, if you felt super suicidal at the beginning of your pregnancy, you are like v- at very high risk for that happening again. If you tried to breastfeed, and then my baby was in the NICU and we were separated for a while. So it didn't happen, but I had so much shame. Around not breastfeeding, and I've tried to like be really vocal about sharing that I didn't, just because I think there is so much also shame around. I mean, I I was given a course by like my doctor, and the amount of like pro breastfeeding, like anti formula, like it was like straight propaganda, totally, totally, that was like sent to me. It's just yeah, it's just again there's shame. If you don't breastfeed, there's shame. If you breastfeed too much for too long, there's shame. If you, you know, formula feed, there's shame. If you combo feed, it's just like it's all – there's no winning. There's no right. It's just all shame.
1: Right. Rather than just like doing what you feel is best for you and your family. And it's like, yep, that's, that's what you have to do. When you experience your shame, like what did your shame say when it was like, you were you know not just deciding not to breastfeed like what did your shame say
0: yeah so mine said that right my baby wouldn't be like <laughs> immune enough right or like things like that all of the benefits that they that they have about breastfeeding right that she wouldn't develop properly that i was like taking the easy way out that i was like lazy that i wasn't willing to sacrifice for her but i just like knew not only based on just the things I just said, but I just like in my bones knew that breastfeeding was not right for me because I was in the hospital for like seven days. It was like a really, really terrible situation. I like almost died. So I was just like, I am like, I'm holding on by a threat. And if I try to make myself learn something new right now, it's not going to go well. No. So I just like knew in my bones that the right thing – She was already on formula Two because she right. was in the NICU. Right. So I was just like it feels so wrong in my bones to like pull her off this thing she's thriving off of. She was premature, right, so that like I can have the vanity to like say that I breastfed. It just – You know, and to someone else, they could have a different choice. And I totally respect that. But for me, it just felt like that was the wrong choice to do it. So I was like, I feel like if I did it, I would be doing it out of wanting to be good enough rather than like what was true. But yeah, a lot of my shame was just like, I was lazy. I wasn't good enough. I wasn't willing to sacrifice all of that kind of stuff. And then
1: you're also, you know, zoom out and you're like, sacrifice, right? Okay, so then I'm sacrificing my mental health to make sure that my right. baby is is breastfed, even even though she's perfectly fed with formula, right? Yeah. Like I'm sacrificing, my, maybe like my ability to be a stable mother, uh, yeah. because just for the you know whatever narratives about breastfeeding that are being fed to you, you know, my birth was was relatively uneventful, but you know, at the very end, I was pushing for hours. My baby was face up, um, which is like not that you don't usually. Give birth that way. I think my OB told me. Yeah, it's much bit,
0: harder. Yeah, that
1: three only three percent of babies are born like that with like vaginally. So I birthed him that way, and it took like at the very end when I was like literally two plus hours of pushing. My OB was like, "We're gonna have to use like a little bit of suction to get him the rest of the way out." And even in that moment, I remember like, "Oh God, like I'm not gonna be able to to just like do this fully. Like there's gonna be a little bit of help,
0: right? Like you're cheating or something." Yes. And meanwhile, I'm, like, literally never worked as hard in my life as I was
1: when I was pushing. You know, it was, like, way yeah. too late for any, uh, you know, C-section or anything. So it was, like, we're having this baby this way. And then afterward, I felt a little disconnected from my birth because I remember thinking, mm-hmm. like, well, did I actually have him if I had that help at the end? And I actually had to talk to my therapist about that expectation and what, yeah. it, what it meant to me to be able to do it, like, without any help. And how, like, of course, yeah. that's rooted in my own shit, right? Of Like, I want to be able to do it, like, without any help and and all that. And, and like, why is that wrong? That, that there was a little bit of help and this societal thing that like, I didn't need any, you know, interventions or whatever. Like meanwhile, I got an epidural. Uh-huh. I don't know. Like there's, there's so many interventions that I had. I went to a hospital. Why do I have shame about a little bit of support getting my baby out? Like, but of course with yourself, you're like, oh, I could have been, you know, I could have been better. But it's just like, that reminded me of that when you were talking about breastfeeding. It's like, I felt like the shame of I could have done it better or I should have done it without help.
0: Totally. Yeah. No, I had a C-section and it definitely was something I had to get over too of like, it was cheating. I didn't really give birth, right? Like when I had no choice, it was an emergency C-section, right? But like, it's so interesting, right? Like, you know, it's diet culture, I think when it's like trendy and changes because right, like with our parents' generation, it was trendy to like- not breastfeed and stuff like that. You know, it was better if you didn't breastfeed. So it's just all nonsense. It's
1: total nonsense. <laughs> and that's such a good comparison to like trendy things. Like we were eating non-fat stuff, right? It was It Like growing up and that was like, and then it turned into like full fat keto was the thing to do. Like if something is changing that much, like maybe the answer is just to do whatever feels like right and good. And the same thing is true, right? That's so interesting about the breastfeeding. And now it's like, oh, you know, breastfeeding is whatever the best. And then back then it was like, no, don't breastfeed. It's discouraged. So just like the answer to all of this is like, just do what feels right to you. But that's really hard to do when we live in a world that's, you know, giving you so many mixed messages, I think is the Mm -hmm. the moral there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and people have different opinions and people have different experiences. And I think people are really bad at remembering that their experience is just just there. So that's right. That's right. <laughs> doesn't so always like, apply. Yeah. And it doesn't look like other people's. And that's the thing is like,
1: I, I try to help my own clients like turn inward and just be like, what feels right to you? If no, If no voices mattered or if there were no voices that you could hear, what would your wisdom say about this? It's hard to tune into that voice. And I think as as a mother, it's the most important thing you can do, right, is like to tune into yourself and like what feels right and good for you. And if no other voices mattered, if no one's judgment mattered, if no one else had an opinion, like what would you do? And then do that thing.
0: Yeah. And I think we can't conceptualize that like people's intuitions may be different or may say different things. And like that is, right? Like For someone, breastfeeding might be right. For someone, breastfeeding may not be right or many other situations, but we think that it should all be the same thing and everyone's wisdom should be the same, I think. Right, and
1: none of it's wrong, Like right? Like none of of your own intuition is wrong because it's yours and no one knows what's best for you better than you.
0: Well, this also leads me to think about food choices, right, even beyond formula when you get into like introductory food and all of that stuff and everything. It's so hard because there's shame on all levels with that too. I mean, we ended up, we did baby led weaning, but like not perfectly. So there was like shame there with like, right. Like we relied on a lot of pouches and things like that. And have you, I, I know your baby's not as old as mine, but have you guys started doing any real food or what does that look like for you? Yeah,
1: we started it just like a couple of weeks ago because he was literally grabbing at the things. He took a handful of my husband's salad like when he was eating it and we were like, <laughs> and we had to like take his hand like out, to the <laughs> sink because it had like a bunch of chili oil. Um, and so we love the idea that he can, you know, a baby like eating and he can eat these things. But also like we're really turning like toward convenience. So like your pouch thing, it's like whenever- whatever we can do that's like makes our lives convenient whether it's food delivery for us or like mm-hmm. something we can just you know give him like we are very much s- subscribers of of that of like whatever can, can be easy and convenient but we are We're enjoying it so far, but I can see how there's also, like, shame there, where I'm like, well, if we're giving, I've just, I had this thought recently, like, if we give him purees, then are we not giving him the opportunity to use his hands to hold the thing? And then are we robbing him of motor skills? Like, I've already started to have the thought, but, like, when you said it, like, we're not doing we haven't done it perfectly, it's like, what does that even mean? What does it even mean to do it perfectly, right? But there's this idea that if you do purees, like, you're not really doing baby-led weaning, it's like, okay like is there space for more than just one one way?
0: Yeah. There's been so many moments I think of motherhood where you're just like, "Oh my god, if I don't do this or if I do this, I will mess them up for forever." Totally. The narrative was more like your baby
1: is just going to do things in their own time and like whatever you choose to do is right because it's your child. I think we'd all be like, Oh, okay. Like we don't have to do it that way. But you're right. At every corner, there's just like, oh God, if I do this 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 way, then I'm messing it up, or I'm not giving them the opportunity, or like milestones. And I know that I'm, you know, my baby's not old enough for some of these other milestones. But I've heard friends being like, oh, so and so's baby is walking, and my baby's not walking yet. It's just like there's so much comparison. There's so much like shame or or like self doubt of of your own parenting if your baby's not meeting these expectations or milestones. It's just like. Everyone at every corner like makes – I don't know, makes you feel like there's something you could be doing better and that feeling just is crummy. And that, that's like – I feel like that's the whole essence of this intersection that we're talking about of just like not feeling good enough.
0: Yeah, the diet culture to, to pregnancy, to postpartum, it's like a pipeline I feel like in terms of – it's just like <laughs> – it is just like one, one thing that, that leads to the next. It's, it's wild to watch.
1: It is, and You just have to listen to yourself. And that's a really, that could, I'm just like saying that, but that's, and of course I struggle with it. And like, it's such, it's so much easier said than done, but it's like at the end of the day, you know, meeting your baby where they are, meeting yourself and your body where it is, like meeting your mental health, where it is meeting your, like, you know, like your pregnant body and your feelings about being pregnant, like meeting yourself where you are without, without thinking you should be thinking, Differently, or thinking you should be feeling differently, I think is the key here. And that just is like how I've just kind of been trying to zen out of just like accepting of what is without trying to change it and like, and knowing that that's going to feel hard sometimes.
0: I mean, this is such a loaded question that I don't have the answer to, but I think about sometimes, not just obviously acceptance doesn't sell, but right, I think so many people get afraid of acceptance because they're like, we're just co-signing doing whatever you want then, right? <laughs> like if you don't try to breastfeed, right? We're just saying you can do whatever you want or things like that. And I wonder like what it is about us as a culture or social media or what your thoughts are on why we're so afraid of acceptance. Like it all—it it doesn't sell, but I also think like there's so much fear mongering around like acceptance is bad, acceptance is settling, acceptance is doing nothing,
1: I think, it's, I think that's an amazing question and I'm not trying the answer either. I think that what, what just comes up for me is thinking like, no, people don't want acceptance because they want to know that, that things will feel better because we don't like feeling icky. We want black and white. We want answers. We don't mm-hmm. do well with uncertainty, right? We don't do well with not having answers to things. We just don't. So anything that gives us a solution feels safe. I think acceptance feels unsafe because it's not, uh, a solution. It's sitting in the discomfort, not knowing what's going to come and just saying, like, this is hard and I don't know when it's going to get better. And like trusting that something will change and it will probably get better is hard for people. I think that we would like to just know that things are going to change. Like when I was Googling in early, early postpartum, like I was looking for someone to tell me like, okay, at three weeks it's going to get better at six weeks. It's going to get better at seven months. It's going to get better. Like, you know, whatever they were saying, like, I was looking for this, I was looking for comfort and I was looking for security Mm -hmm. and acceptance doesn't feel super comfy. It doesn't feel safe. It doesn't feel, like a solution it doesn't it feels like oh gosh like we are right like settling we're like oh god it's just always going to be this bad that if we're saying you know it's okay to not breastfeed are we saying that no one should ever breastfeed again it's like right right? it's like (laughs) we don't we don't like the gray area we want black and white answers we want some kind of assurance security certainty and the truth is life is uncertain life is so much without answer and so much without control and and acceptance means we throw our hands up and we say we're out of control about this mm-hmm. and like let's just be in that thing and that's like oh yeah. no 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 that's way too uncomfortable the answers that we're seeking you know are and when we find one or the internet tells us that there's one that's way more comfortable we're just like mm-hmm. you're like okay oh, i could do something i could do something about yeah. this rather than you know surrender and give up control we're still like holding on
0: i think that's a really good point well thank you so much for coming on and for sharing your experience natalie where can people learn more about you or follow your work
1: yeah thank you so much for having me amanda my handle is need to talk need as in like meeting bread uh because i love to bake so i i you know, combined my two two passions of, of therapy and the baking into my into my Instagram handle. So you can follow me there, and uh, I'm a part of a group practice out of Denver uh, called Full Bloom Counseling. And you can look us up at fullbloomcounseling.com if you are a Colorado resident and are seeking therapy. Uh, so yeah, that's me. And thank you so much, Amanda. This was so wonderful.
0: Absolutely, thanks so much. Thanks for listening. To suggest an episode topic or support my work, visit AmandaEWhite.com. If you're interested in getting therapy from my practice, visit TherapyForWomenCenter.com. We're based in Philadelphia, but we have therapists serving 27 states across the country.